Welcome to this Sunday morning's message podcast from Kingdom Faith. Today's message is by Pastor Clive Urquhart. Brilliant. Let's just pray for a minute, shall we? Just while we're praying, just say to the Lord, Father, would you speak into my life today? I'm not here for breadcrumbs or a bit of milk. I'm here for the meat of your word. Father, I thank you that you transform us today by the renewing of our minds. That your word is not the same as any other words that have been spoken through the media, newspapers, social media, people's opinions, politics, preferences. We thank you that your word is like no other word that is spoken. Your word is eternal. Your word sets people free. Your word saves people. Your word heals people. Your word reconciles people. Your word delivers people because your word is who you are. Because you are life and your life is eternal and it transforms our lives. And Father, I thank you for the power of your word working in our hearts and lives in the next half an hour, 40 minutes or so. Father, I thank you. You want to move some of us from hope to faith. You're going to move others from despair into freedom. Others from sickness into health. Others from trouble into peace. Father, I thank you. You said this year is a year of breakthrough and a year of breakout. And Father, I thank you that faith doesn't wait Faith takes a hold of what you say, believes it, and then acts upon it. And so, Father, I thank you for the spirit of faith today for every person in this room and whoever hears this message. Whether we believe at this moment in you that we, we, faith is released afresh or whether in this place we don't believe in you at this moment, faith would be released to know you today. Father, I exalt you. I praise your name. I want to lift your name high. I want to exalt you, Jesus, over my life, over my marriage, my family, my household, over every person in this room, over every marriage, over every friendship, over every relationship, over every small group, every area of ministry, who we are as a people, the call upon our lives as a church. Father, I exalt your name over this town. I exalt your name over this 25-mile radius, over our nation. Father, we exalt you over Europe. Father, we exalt you over the nations. We exalt you, Jesus. There is no other name like your name. There is no other name that compares with your name. That your name is more powerful than any other name. Your name is eternal. Your name is everlasting. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are here right now with us. And that you want to work and move in our lives, Jesus. I praise your name. Come on, let's just praise him this morning. You might want to stand up for a minute. Come on, let's stand up. Let's praise Him. Let's exalt Him. Lift His name. Lift His name. Exalt Him over your life today. Exalt Him over who we are today. Come on, let's praise Him, church. Come on, shout those praises. Shout those praises. Shout those praises. 
Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are God. Jesus, we praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a shout on the inside of you. How many of you are believers here today? How many of you are believers here today? Okay, how many of you know that God's life is not like your natural life? How many of you know that God's natural life, His natural life is supernatural? And how many of you know when His Spirit comes on the inside of you, He changes you and turns you into a different person? He, 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 he makes us like Him from the word go, but then we learn how to live in the good of what He has done, right? So His life and the life of the Holy Spirit in us is full of life, is expressive, full of joy, full of peace, full of love, but full of power. There's a sound to faith. Faith must say something. Faith must speak. But there's also actions that come with our faith. And there's a shout that God wants to release in every one of us today. And we're going to look at one or two things. So God might break off some of the, the reservations of our life this morning. Well, I'm not like that. Well, that's what God's like. And He wants us to be like Him. So if we are full of God and His Spirit is in us, the Holy Spirit does not have moods. Okay, He doesn't have moods like we do as people. He's not moody. But there are flows of the Holy Spirit. There are movements of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is always peaceful, like total well-being, shalom, okay? The Holy Spirit is always peaceful. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is gentle in the way that He speaks and the way that He works and the way that He moves. Other times the Holy Spirit is, is strong and dynamic in the way that He expresses Himself in our lives. So we want to allow the Holy Spirit to express Himself how He wants to express Himself in us and through us at any given moment. Is that okay? Now the moment this morning is going to be a louder one. Is that all right? There's going to be a sound to our faith this morning, a sound to our expression this morning. And uh, God wants to release a shout, a roar on the inside of you. And, and we're going to look at some scriptures because the enemy, the devil, cannot stand against the roar of God in your life. The enemy cannot stand against the roar of God in your life and who God is in you. This is, a, this is a year of breakthrough and breakout. I'm going to preach my message if I'm not careful and, uh, and I won't have anything left to say in five minutes' time. You might say, great, we can finish early. I don't know. God positions us in Him. But we always must respond to what He does. So He positions us in Him, but we also have to activate our faith to position ourselves in Him. We're going to unpack this this morning, okay? Because faith is not passive. What God is saying about breakthrough and breakout is not passive. It's not, well, I'll wait and see and, uh, uh, and see what God does. No, faith takes hold of what God says in order to see what He says take place. So as He positions us in Him so that we have the authority we need and everything we need, we then position ourselves in Him and with what He's saying to then see what He says take place. Grab a seat for a minute. Let's get into the Word. And uh, 
So turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. How many of you love Jesus? How many of you are excited? How many of you know you've got authority over the devil? You've got authority over sickness? You've got authority over the rubbish that goes on around you and, and wants to pull you down, make you step back and all that kind of stuff? How many of you know you've got that authority? Okay, let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read this a little bit uh, at a slow pace just to illustrate a few things in here before we get into what God wants to release this morning. We've got our first fruits offering a bit later on at the end, um, which is, we'll explain a bit more, and many of you will know about that. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, that's going to be part of the response today in terms of why we're doing it. But let's, uh, let's have a look at this. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, say me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Just say, I was dead. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So this side of the the lectern is your old life. This is when somebody doesn't know God. And the other side over there is going to be somebody who does know God. Okay. So as for you, you were dead in your transgressions, in your ways, the things you were doing and your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's the devil. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient or those that don't know God. Now, this is pretty basic stuff for most people in the room, okay? We were dead, or if you don't know Jesus here today, what the Bible is saying is when you don't have a relationship with God, then you're spiritually dead. You're you're not alive to who God is, okay? Okay? But God does not want it to stay that way. And we'll look at this, we'll discover what he's done and why he doesn't want it to stay that way. Verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time. So if you know Jesus here today, you're, you're over here somewhere, okay? But we all used to live here. We were all in this way. We were led by the spirit of the world and, and uh, as it says here, the spirit of those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sin nature, sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts. So we were driven by or controlled by that sinful nature. We could not get out of that ourselves. We were captive. We were controlled by this sinful nature, our desire to gratify ourselves. What does that mean? It just means put me in the middle of everything, in whatever I'm, I'm, I'm living and doing. Then it says here, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Now, that's not preached very much in modern churches, that God is a God of wrath. Because it's, it's not popular, it doesn't sound very good. There's a lot of stuff about God's good, the goodness of God, and how many of you know that God is good? If he wasn't good, he wouldn't have gone to the cross, right? To, in order to, to get us out of here, over here in a minute, it will come to, to know him. But God is a God of wrath. What does that mean? That means he is a God who hates sin and hates the power of sin and hates anything that separates people from him. He's a God of wrath, which means he's a God of justice, If he's a God of justice, then he has to deal with what is unjust. 
He's a God who judges. He makes judgment. So therefore, in, as a God of judge, he has to judge things in a way according to his nature and his character. And because he is righteous, he has to judge everything according to his righteousness, not our standard of righteousness or the world's standard of what they think good and bad is or good and evil is. How many of you have been to a funeral where you've been sitting there and the person who's died doesn't know the Lord and everybody's saying, we'll see you in heaven one day? Not an easy scenario to be in. But God judges according to his nature and his character. Now, in his judgment, in his justice and in his wrath, there is also his mercy, which seems to be a contradiction. So we, had a, we have a God of, of righteousness, of justice, a God who is a God of wrath and judgment, but yet he exercises all of that through mercy. So we've all lived in this way. Maybe some of us still are today. We're this side, if you like, of where we're living. But it says here, look at this. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. Because that sin nature ruled your life and ruled our lives, we were an object of God's wrath. So we should, in his justice and in his judgment, according to his righteousness, he should have dealt with us as we deserved. Therefore, if he deals with us as we deserve, then we would have no opportunity or possibility to be forgiven or to be made right with him to bring us into relationship with him. If God dealt with us as we deserve, but because he is also God of mercy, he, he withholds what we deserve, but he still had to deal with everything that we deserved. He had to deal with sin, the power of sin. He had to deal with death. He had to deal with the devil. So he had to get the victory over all of that stuff so that the way would be open for us to come over here and not just be a Christian but live here in terms of what we're going to look at in a minute in terms of scriptures as to what that, that means and what's that got to do with breakthrough and breakout which we'll come to, okay? So it says here, like the rest we were objects of God's wrath but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, Rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy. He's not miserly with his mercy. It says he is rich in his mercy. That's his nature. Every facet of his character, he is rich in mercy. He is rich in grace. He is rich in his love. He is rich in the way he acts towards us as people. How many of you know when you're rich, you don't lack anything? There's no shortage. There's, there's an endless supply of, of who God is into our lives. So he then, say, he then says here, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. What does that mean? It means that while we were here, still not deserving God in any way, shape or form, before we were even on the planet, because this happened 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he hung on the cross, took all of the sin that we were going to commit in the future, the sin nature that controlled our lives, he hung on the cross, 
as we know, took the punishment of all the sin, all the shame, all the pain on himself. He became guilty so that we could be declared not guilty. That's the mercy of God. We don't deserve any of it. But Jesus, as an innocent person, took all of the guilt upon himself and hung there. And he declared that day, it is finished. He declared victory that the power of sin had been broken, sickness had been dealt with, death had been defeated because he gave up his spirit. Death didn't kill him. He gave up his spirit. So victory was won over the death on the cross and also over the devil. Then it says here, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. So even while we were still here, Jesus had already accomplished on the cross what we were going to need when we were alive now to respond to what he had done so that we could come into everything he wants to be and who he wants us, what he wants to live in now today. It feels like maybe we're going back to basics, some of the stuff we're looking at recently. But you see, God wants us to be living experientially what we believe, not just build up knowledge of what we know about. Because when we live experientially in who we are in Him and what it means for for us to be in Him and Him in us, then we see an outworking of who He is in a greater way. There's a greater release of God in us and then God through us. How many of you know if there's going to be breakthrough and breakout around us, there needs to be breakthrough and breakout in us. (laughs) So this part of this season is God taking the lid off our lives. It's us opening up and, and, and allowing him to do whatever he wants to do, but allowing the life of who he is to be released. So God wants there to be breakthrough in here, so there's breakthrough out there. If you keep doing the same things, you're going to get the same result. So we need to allow God and we need to cooperate with God so that he does new and fresh things in us, so there's a, a new and fresh release of him in us and, and through us. So we cooperate with him which we'll come to in a minute. So what does it say here? It's by grace you have been saved. So there's nothing we can do to get over here. It's only God through the cross that's made the way open through his mercy. Dealing with ju- God did a just thing because he's ju- he had to punish someone. And the Bible says that Jesus died once and for all in the same way that Adam sinned once but it affected all. Jesus reversed the curse that was on mankind through what he did on the cross. And it's by grace. What's God's grace? God's grace is enabling us to have everything even though we don't deserve anything. So when he hung there on the cross, his grace was being released. Then it says in verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. How many of you know this stuff? Well, let's just back up to verse 4. Sorry, because uh, of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. So here we were spiritually dead, over here we're now spiritually alive. So the possibilities now here are endless. How many of you know that Jesus lived an endless, indestructible life? And if we have that same life in us, then the possibilities in God are endless in terms of what he wants to do. How many of you know that God is not limited in terms of what he's given us of himself, but he is limited 
Only how he works in us by what we believe and what we don't believe. Are you there? Okay. Then it says, so he raised us up with him. So he not only brought us into relationship, it says he raised us up with him. So when Jesus came out of the grave three days after dying on the cross, it says that he was raised, he was seated at the right hand of the Father. He went up to heaven, seated at the Father's right hand. And what the Bible is saying here in Ephesians is that when we surrender our lives, we ask him to forgive us. He wipes the slate clean. We surrender everything to him. And what what he does, he brings us out of the grave of death, spiritual death here, and he brings us into spiritual life. He brings us alive. Life goes from black and white into technicolor, into better than ultra 4K HD or whatever it is these days. And... uh, He brings us in and then he raises us up with Christ and seats us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. One amen. Any more than that? How many of you know Jesus has never been defeated? How many many of you know over here that that you were pretty defeated here? In different ways, right? Pretty battered and bruised or whatever. And... Maybe when you were here, you didn't see it. You just thought life's okay, life's all together. Some people, when they're here, life is hell on earth. It's just the most, it's the worst thing they can ever experience. For others, they think, well, I'm doing all right. Work's all right, marriage is all right, money in the bank, things seem to be okay, I'm enjoying life and all of that. So some people here have got total blind spots. They can't see what they don't have. But when they do give their life to Jesus, suddenly they realise what they have and what they didn't have before. Because the spiritual eyes are are being opened. So it says here, he's raised us and seated us with him in heavenly realms. So if Jesus has never known defeat, is it possible for us then to not know defeat? Well, are we in Christ or are we not in Christ? Over here, you're not in Christ, okay? Over here, you are in Christ. So if in Christ, he he cannot be defeated. What does that mean? If you are in Christ, that means what? Turn to your neighbour and tell him what the answer is. Now the question is, do you believe it? That is the thing. Do you believe it? It's not a question of whether it's true or not. It's a question of whether we believe that for me. You might say, yeah, that will work for somebody else in the room, but I don't know about me. What God wants to do, he wants to revolutionise your faith so that when you hear something or you read something, faith goes off on the inside of you and you go, yeah, that's me. That's who God's talking about. That's who I am. I am a believer. I am in Christ. He's in me. Death does no longer have a hold over me. I don't live my life according to the sinful nature because I'm walking, surrendered to him, living in the good of who he is on the inside of me. Therefore, when circumstances say it looks like the old life, I can turn around and say, no, that is the old life because I have a new life on the inside of me. So I'm not going to settle for that circumstance that sickness, that negativity, that attack from the enemy or whatever it might be because of who I am in Christ. I'm seated with him at his right hand and I'm not going to accept anything less than God's best in my life. That's the spirit of faith. 
That's the kind of spirit that you have on the inside of you. Now, if you don't focus on who you are and fix your eyes on him and what he says about you, what we do is we begin to give ourselves to things that used to be over here. And what happens, it feels like there's a hook in your soul. And the enemy will say, really, you're over here. You're not really over here. And as we heard from last week from Pastor Colin, was it, did he have two chairs up here last week? I've heard him speak so many times in the last few weeks in different things. Um, anyway, what, I can't remember what he spoke. I've heard him a few times this week. We had a leaders conference in the week. It was, it was an amazing time. But uh, anyway, I think, did, did he talk about spirit and soul last week? He must have mentioned it somewhere then uh, along the way. Um, see, our spirits come alive here. And we submit our soul, mind, emotions, will, and then we submit our body to the spirit of God in our lives. When we give ourselves to anything else, we're putting our soul over the spirit. And we're feeding on something where the enemy wants to feel like he's dragging us back over here. But the power of this has been broken. And the power of anything that we give ourselves to can be broken when we turn around, when we fix our eyes on him again and realise, actually, this is who I am in Christ. I'm not going to give power to the enemy. You know, God will never violate your will. He'll never do anything in you unless you give him permission. In the same way, the devil can't do anything in your life unless you give him permission. The devil doesn't have free reign to do whatever he wants in your life. You might, you might say, well, I'm, I feel a bit of attack at the moment. There's opposition. Yeah, but we, we decide whether we're going to give him ground or not. In the same way as, God, I want you to do this in my life. And God said, well, I'll only come if you want me to do it. There's things he wants to do in us, but he only, because he respects our, our will. Now, the devil wants to violate your will. But he can only do things if we allow him. And this is why God wants to remind us today about who we are in Christ, what it means to be a new creation in him, what it means to have authority over the enemy. What does it mean to go to the place of the stronghold, which we'll come to in a minute, to get breakthroughs, to get victory. So we see breakouts happen, happening around us. Let's just finish off uh, Ephesians 2 uh, for a moment. So then he says here, and he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that you can boast. So moving from death over here to life is something that we know only God can do. We can't do that in our own strength. And Paul is reminding the Ephesians here, guys, don't, don't, start, think, don't start thinking there's something you've done to get yourself over here. It's all a work of God's grace. Verse 10, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So over here, there are all kinds of things that God wants to do in us and through us now we're born again. That over here, there's no way we could do because we were controlled by the power of sin. Now we have power over sin here. 
Over here, we, you know, we were under the power of sickness and this and that and the other. Now over here, we have power over sickness. Over here, we were negative. We were this, we were that, we were the other, we were la, 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 la. Now we have power and victory over all the negativity, all the rubbish. So here, we were downtrodden. We were suppressed. We were, you know, oppressed and everything. Here, we have victory over all of that stuff because we're in Christ. So over here, we're up here. Over here, we're down here. We're, we're, we're dead. We're buried. We're, you know, we've got no chance. I've had it. God, what, you know, I need you. And what does he come? He comes and raises you to new life. And here, we haven't got a ladder up here, but we're over here. We're here. This is who we are. So what does it say? If he, uh, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Everything over here is by faith. Everything. It can't be by emotion. It has to be by faith. Over here, everything in your life, absolutely everything here was driven by emotion. The world is driven by emotion. The world is not led by intelligence. The world is driven by emotion. World wars have happened because of emotion. There's nothing intelligent (laughs) about going to war. There's no common sense in going to war. It's all driven by emotion. One person hates another. It's all emotion. Somebody gets up upset with somebody else. Emotion. Why are people in debt? Because their lives are emotionally driven. I want this, I want that, I want the other. And I can't wait, so I'll put it on credit. And then people find themselves they're in debt. Why? It's driven by emotion. The last election we had in the UK just over a year ago, it was all driven by emotion. You know, one party was doing a popular manifesto. If we'll give you something popular, let's appeal to your emotions so that you actually start to follow us. Emotionally driven campaign. Everything's emotionally driven. So what happens? There's all the reports because of Brexit of the economy's going to be doing this, that and the other. La, 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 la. So people go, oh no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Emotionally driven. Over here, we don't live an emotionally driven life. We live completely, we live a spirit-filled, spirit-led life because God is not led by emotion. He is spirit. He is word. He is truth. He never changes. So he lives according to his word. He doesn't move because of circumstances. He moves and operates according to his word. His word describes his character and his nature. So he's only going to move and work according to his nature and character. And so over here, he brings us alive in him to know who he is in his nature and his character, that he is everlasting, he's unchanging, he's not moved by circumstances, but instead he moves circumstances. So we want to live spirit-filled, spirit-led lives. So let's just keep going for a minute, okay? Um, So we've been crucified with Christ, we no longer live. The life I live in the body, I live by faith, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. How many of you know loads of stuff goes on in your head every day? Yeah. You, there's a battle that goes on up there, right? Does, or does anybody not have a battle at all? 
If you don't any, have any battles in your mind whatsoever, please come up to the platform, take the mic and tell us how you do it, okay? Uh, you know, you, I get bombarded like you guys all day, every day with rubbish from the enemy. Rubbish. And most of it is actually him trying to put you down. He might distract you with, look at this, look at that, look at the other. But actually, most of what he wants you to do is go to your emotions, go to your feelings, because that's how you were led here and driven here. And what he wants you to do is, if you then start feeling something, it then he tries to undermine the truth. He can't change it, but if he can undermine it in our lives, then he gets us to feel like, oh, I'm not really who the Bible says I am, because I don't feel it, because I don't feel feel it, I'm not experiencing it. So actually the lies of the enemy, yeah, he must be right, that I'm really no good or I'm not worthy, I'm not acceptable or whatever it is that's going on in us. And this is why the Bible says that the life I live in the body now, the life I have now, this side, is, is lived by faith. So I'm constantly needing to feed myself with what God says about who I am and about who we are. I need to constantly remind myself and, and put that deep on the inside of me because the enemy's never going to stop telling me a load of rubbish. He's never going to stop lying to me. And the more we believe what we believe, the more he's going to try and undermine what we believe. There'll never come a day where the enemy doesn't stop nagging you. You don't, you don't get to a level of maturity in Christianity where the devil says, I'm just giving up on him or her. And I'll just go and play at somebody else's mind and try and ruin their life, you know. The devil just keeps going and going and going. What he starts saying to you might be different the more mature you become in terms of what God's doing in your life. Because he has to come up with different ways of putting things. But the life here, we live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And God has raised us up, Ephesians 2.6. With Christ, seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Do you know that most places in the New Testament where the word you is used, it's used in a plural context, not singular. Not for individual person. We only have one word in the English for you, Y-O-U. In other languages, they have different words for you. Some of it is, so when you read something, you know when it's applying to you as the individual or when it's talking about you as a people or as a group. And most of the time in the New Testament, when Paul is speaking to the church or writing letters to the church in different places about who they are in Christ, he's actually saying this is who you are, plural. He's not just saying this is who you are as an individual. He is saying that. But what he's saying is, hey, you together, this is who you are together. And that means you together in Christ. The enemy has no answer to who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. So he's raised you up as a people with him seated in heavenly places. So it's not, see, in our Western mindset, we've individualized everything. And a lot of the time God's saying, yes, it is to use an individual, but you collectively. You together. That's why Matthew 18, he says, where two on earth agree about anything in my name. Uh, there my father is with you and my father will do it. Because a lot of the time when God speaks, he, 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 yes, he speaks as individuals because we have a relationship with him. But when he speaks, often he's speaking to us as a people. Colossians 3 verse 1 
Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. So what does the devil try and do? He tries to get you focused on earthly things. Right? Sometimes when we, we, we use that, we say you know, that we're focused on material things and all of that. And, and some of that does means there. But the enemy wants us to focus on earthly things, on ourself, our feelings, what's going on, our circumstances and this and that and the other. And Paul is saying to these guys, hey guys, I want to remind you who you are in Christ and who he is on the inside of you. Then 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. So we're no longer like the world over here. As the world is, so am I in this world. No, Jesus has done a transference, a transformation. And the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Sometimes we look at ourselves and say, yeah, but I'm not perfect yet. There's still work to do. I'm still not sorted. None of us are perfect in and of ourselves. But that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Look back over here where you know you weren't perfect. But what he says here is look at you. All this truth about who you are in Christ and victory and breakthrough and authority and this and that and the other. But look at what is not yet perfect in your life. So therefore it cannot be true. Why? Because he's trying to undermine the truth. He's undermining the reality of who you are, who I am, who we are in Christ, what it means to have Christ in us. Because he's saying, no, 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 that's not real. This is real. You're not perfect. And then we have to say, no, no, there might still be things that need sorting in my life. But as far as I'm concerned, in Christ, this is who I am. And we need to remind ourselves who we are and those that are around us. Okay, let's just quickly jump for a couple of minutes to Samuel chapter 5. You can turn there if you like. Um, we've heard this recently because it's to do with breakthrough and breakout and what God's been saying to us. Um, that <clears throat> he, he became king. The Philistines realised we've got to take him out now because he's going to have the whole nation behind him. And the, the Philistines set up in the valley of Rephaim and they spread themselves out and they started to cause lots of trouble invading villages and doing all sorts of things. They spread themselves out trying to attack uh, the Israelites in different places and to try and kind of put fear into them. And David went to the stronghold. And the stronghold is that place of prayer, that place of safety, that place where we go to when stuff goes on. The first thing we want to do is go to God. When, when stuff kicks off in us, around us, the first place we want to go is, God, I want to come to you first of all. I want to come into the stronghold. I want to come to the most, the safest place I can come to, which is with you. Father, I need to hear from you. I need to know what you're saying. I need your word, which is what he was saying. It said he inquired of the Lord. God gave him a plan, go up and take them. So he went and attacked the Philistines and he routed them. And, uh, and, and they had a victory. Then the Philistines came back again. How many of you know the devil doesn't just give up after one go? He comes back again and again. And then they, they set themselves up in the same valley. And David inquired of the Lord and said, what do I do? And he said, don't go and attack just go behind the balsam trees and when you hear the sound of uh, marching and all that kind of stuff, then you can go and, uh, and I'll go before you and I'll defeat him and then you'll have victory and everything. That's what he did. Dif- same enemy, different tactics, different plan to have victory over him. That's why it's important to inquire of the Lord. 
So where did he get his faith from to know what to do in the stronghold? Where do we have breakthroughs in the stronghold? When we're with God, that's where you hear from God. That's where faith is activated. That's where you're going to hear what God is saying into your life or into our life as a people in terms of what God is is saying to us. Then when he did whatever God said, he saw the victory. And the second time, they chased the Philistines. It was about 25, 30 miles, okay, he chased them. And absolutely, they defeated them, slaughtered the living daylights out of them, and there were none left. So they had total victory over their enemy in that moment. God wants you and I to have total victory over our lives, in our lives and over our lives. Anybody else believe that here today? He wants us to have total victory in our lives which means we take hold of who we are and we apply that in terms of the way we speak and the way we then declare, the way we then pray. Okay? In Joshua chapter 6, it's when Joshua and uh, the, the Israelites were going to go into the promised land, cross the Jordan and, and they were going to take Jericho. And God gave them a plan to walk around it, however many times, however many days. And on the last day, when God said, you're to give a, um, he said, you're to give a, a, to shout with a great shout. There are two words that he uses for shout there. Uh, the first one that he uses for the word shout there is a victorious shout, like a victorious sound, a, the sound of victory that was like, um, and the word used there is ruah, R-U-A, and it means to split the ears. Wow. The kind of shout that you're to give, the word there, God said you're to give a ruah shout. You're to give a shout that's so loud it's going to split the ears of the people that hear it. It's not just, uh, hey, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, you know. You know, do me a favour. Thank you, Lord. You're lovely, Jesus. You know, we're not giving Jesus the fag end of our, of, our, of our lives, of our worship, of our praise. You know, when God says to do something and we do it, we see a release of what God wants to see through our lives. So what we do sometimes is we hear what God's saying and then we filter that through our preferences or our style or whatever it might be. And, and God said, no, 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 don't filter that. That's why I put my spirit in you to de-filter your life. So that when I speak to you, I speak to your spirit. I don't speak to your soul. I speak into your spirit. That's where we hear from God. So we're not soulish believers who are asking God to give us a little tummy rub and make us feel a bit better. And would you just rub me there a little bit, Jesus, because, you know, I'm having a bit of a tough time. He's like, no, I want to train you. I want to teach you to know how to stand as a believer. So you don't live soulish, letting the enemy run roughshod over your life. But you live as a spiritual believer, knowing this is who I am in Christ. And I'm not going to take this sickness, this circumstance or anything else. It's going to come against me. not going to defeat me. It's a position you take in your spirit. It's a position you take. God has positioned us in Him. And then He says, now, position how you are. Position how you live according to how I have positioned you. So we put, He has placed us on the rock of salvation. So therefore, in that place that he is busy, we say, right, I'm staying here then. I'm not going to be repositioned by this, that or the other. I'm going to stay positioned where God has positioned me. The other word he used there when it says shout with a great shout is the word, I don't know how to pronounce it, but 
It's T-E-R-U with a little one of these in the air. A-H, Teru-R or something. Now that means battle cry. Like a blast of trumpets coming out. So the first one was like an ear-splitting shout. There was like a, you know, I don't know, like Arsenal scoring. Obviously, you know, everybody is going to be an ear-splitting moment, you know. Maybe that wasn't a good example. don't know. Um, that's a miracle. That's why there's such a... That's, that's why there's such an ear-splitting sound these days. Thanks, Dave. I'll give you a fiver later, mate. All right. But then, then the other one was a battle cry. So what was God saying? I want you to give an ear-splitting battle cry. Wow. Now, where does that come from? It comes from the sound of what is going on in your spirit and in my spirit. Because everything comes from that well of salvation that is at work on the inside of us. What rises up is what is on the inside. And this ear-splitting battle cry comes from this, this engine room of who God is on the inside of us. It comes from this dynamic of life, who He is, the power of His Word at work, the revelation of who He is, the power of faith that is on the inside of us, that engine room, that furnace of who He is. That's where that ear-splitting battle cry comes from. Are you... So let's just quickly finish, right? Because we've got a couple of things we need to do in relation to this. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, over here. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. Now, we're already here, seated at the right hand of God, right? So this is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything, everybody say anything. anything. Anything according to his will. He hears us. So if we pray according to his will, we have his ear. We don't have to do that with God. You know, God, I'm going to pray this 20 minutes, the same thing, because, you know, it's like, no, 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 just pray what my will is. If we know what God's will is, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. That's the kind of prayer that I like. How many of you want your prayers answered? There's your guarantee. Two verses, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. I reckon they're the, most, the two most powerful verses in the Bible on prayer. It's not about how many words we pray. It's not about how many words we pray. It's literally just praying in line with God's word, with God's will. When faith is at work on the inside of you, and you know, that's it, God has spoken. When you pray with faith... It's not how many words you pray because your faith is not in your words. Your faith is actually in the word. It's in him. Have faith in God. It says in Mark 11 somewhere or other, uh, whatever the verses are, Mark 11 something. It says, have faith in God. We have faith in God when we hear him speak. You know, uh, you know you've got a little kid and one of its parents says to the little child, um, I'll give you, you know, like five, six-year-old, and you say, hey, I'll give you pocket money on Saturday, and then we'll go to the shops, and you can buy something. As far as that child's concerned, it's like, that's it, done deal. My parent, my mum, my dad, whatever, has said, on Saturday, I'll give you money, we'll go to town, you can buy something. Now, what's, as far as the child's concerned, that's it, it's a done deal. Because the promise has been given. The promise has been given. This is really important. The promise has been given. 
When God speaks, what is he doing? He's giving the promise. So that child for the rest of the week is going to be thinking, right, I'm going to town on Saturday with my mum or my dad or whoever I'm going to town with. I'm going to town and, I, and they're going to be thinking, what am I going to buy with my pocket money? Because it's a done deal. The promise has been given. So when we pray, when we go to the stronghold, when we go in there, we want the promise. God, what are you saying? That's it. God has spoken. Done deal. So what we then do, we just speak the promise. We declare the promise. We're full of thanksgiving for the promise. Why? Because God has spoken. It is done. Are you there? So we pray with thanksgiving. And that's why that verse is so important. So we want to go to stronghold and pray. And then we believe what God actually says, which is the promise given. And then we act upon the promise and then we see what God has said actually then come into being. How many of you know that sometimes the promise doesn't happen straight away? God gives the promise and it could be two days, could be a week, could be three weeks, could be a few months or whatever. What do we do during that time of promise? We continue to thank God for what he has said. We continue to walk in what he has said. We continue to believe what he has said. You know, when God has spoken, there's something on the inside that says, yes, that's it, that's it. I might not see it yet there, but I have it in here. And in terms of friends and family, seeing people saved and and what God wants to do this year or is doing already, there's some amazing testaments and stories. We're just going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to just get different people to come and give testimony of what God is, is doing. Through Alpha, there's already quite a number of people, four or five people that have given their lives to the Lord so far in, in Alpha. They had the Holy Spirit Day yesterday and a few people gave their lives to the Lord uh, yesterday in terms of what God was doing. There's other people that have been coming to know the Lord as well. Some other miracles and healings that have been happening. So we'll, we'll get some people up and just share a bit of what God is doing uh, at this moment you know, in, in, in people's lives. But we want to we want to contend because the place of prayer is a place of contention, contending, not contention, contending to see the outcome of what God is saying. Let's jump to our feet, shall we? The Bible says that whatever we believe, <clears throat> we will receive. When we pray. The Christian life is a walk of faith. Just close your eyes for a moment. It's not a walk of emotion. It's a walk of faith. And we actually live what we currently believe. Not what we currently know. There's a journey that goes from the head to the heart, isn't there? Sometimes. We might know something, but not necessarily live in in the good of it. And it's like we need to maybe just afresh say, Holy Spirit, I want to live in the revelation of your truth. I want to live in the revelation of your truth. So I don't just live with knowledge. Maybe some have been saved for many years and we live in a certain dimension of this. But God's saying, I want you to live more fully in this because of what it's going to mean in prayer, in believing, in faith, and then in action. Part of today, we, we, this, as we come to an end this morning, is this first fruits offering that we've spoken about in regards to Israel. Jane brought a word a few weeks ago, and she's been around to the other congregations as well, 
uh, and the word was, was, wasn't just about Israel, it was geared around what is God currently doing. And the response at the end in each congregation was very much about putting our lives, just coming to a fresh to, to the altar, as it were, uh, to worship, but to surrender ourselves afresh to the Lord. And, and if you remember in the, what she shared was a dream uh, that somebody in the, the church had uh, about, it was in the middle of the, f- the financial kind of challenge in, in, um, in December that we told you guys about. And um, uh, somebody had a dream of this huge net of finances. And underneath this net was, was a lion, the Lion of Judah, which was seen as, as God the Father, was, was walking around this uh, net and he was looking down and down on the earth below were, was a, a fire of blue and white. And in, in the Bible, blue and white like that is, is spoken, is to do with Israel. And he said that, uh, the person said in the dream that um, people then came and offered themselves to the Lord in a fresh way, but they also brought offerings. And as, as they put the offerings them, of themselves and whatever they were bringing as an offering onto this blue and white fire. Um, then this aroma went up and the lion was, was pleased with the aroma, the, the surrendering, the giving, the, the whatever went on. And then this net sort of broke open and there was a release of, of finances. And one of the things we believe as a, as a leadership was that we should, part of the response to that, which was not just a, a one Sunday morning meeting, but ongoing in terms of uh, what God has said to us as a church to do with Israel, and what God's doing there in that part of the world, that we were to actually uh, give an offering and all of that money would go to um, Israel itself. The King of Faith's not going to keep any of it, benefit from it, and we're going to give it to an organisation called Firm, uh, who basically know all the different guys that we know there, but can help distribute the finances exactly where it's, it's needed to go. But the, the main thing is us giving ourselves and then also the offering that goes with it. And so I, hopefully you've, you've prayed and, and really heard from the Lord yourself what you should be giving today, what, what he wants you to give today. Uh, and, and this is not just about having an offering. This is about God speaking something to us as a church in terms of us bringing ourselves to him, which includes our finances and how we then honour him with our finances in regards to Israel. This is all connected with breakthrough and breakout. I don't know what financial release is going to happen as a result of, of today, uh, and, and obviously something is going to take place, and we'll let you know what, what goes on as it, as it happens. Um, <clears throat> but firstly, it's about us coming, and at, the thing is really about us surrendering, the fragrance that then goes up to the Lord. So what I want us to do, if we could have all the buckets along the front, because we're going to... Um, not just pass the buckets round. We're going to have about eight or nine or ten buckets down the front here. And part of our response, we're going to have the band up, is, uh, is actually just to come and say, Father, you, you don't have to kneel down here and all of that. You just come and put your gift in, whatever you're giving. Uh, if you want to gift aid it because you're a taxpayer, you can, you can do that as well this morning, okay? Um, and you, you'll know how to do that, just filling out the envelopes. Um, but what we're doing first is surrendering. Then when we've done this, we're then just going to pray and release a shout, okay, uh, after that. So uh, let's just close our eyes for a moment. I know all the, the kids are coming. That's good because they can be part of 
actually come into surrender ourselves and give ourselves afresh to, to the Lord. So just close your eyes. If, you're, if you've got your kids here, maybe just hook them up with you, pick them up, or get them to stand on the chair or whatever. I know you might not do that at home, but just for this next minute, just let them, you know, and just huddle as a family um, or whatever. But it'd be good just to pray for a, a few moments rather than just, well, let's just give. Because this is about giving ourselves to the Lord and what he's saying in this season and giving himself to what he is, is doing. Which includes, obviously, in this moment, finances and way we're going to give to him. So let's just take a moment. Father, I just want to surrender afresh to you, afresh to your lordship, to your word, to what you say about who I am, who we are. Father, I just want to surrender afresh as part of this body, the vision and the mandate you've given us. To, to see breakthroughs and breakout in our communities, in our 25-mile radius, uh, the vision you've given us for our own nation, but also in regards to Israel. Father, I just want to come and surrender my life afresh to you, and part of that is in what, I'm, what I believe you've put in my heart to give today, to sow into that nation. It's going to affect people's lives. But the main thing, Father, I just want to sow it, want to give, want to release something today. As that dream came onto that blue and white fire, and Father, I want to come with a right heart and a right motive. I don't want to do this begrudgingly because there won't be any aroma coming up to you that way. I don't want to do it because I have to or should do. If you don't want to do, don't, then don't do it. God doesn't, this is not about... How much money can we get in an offering? This is not that at all today. And this is not should, could, supposed to. This is a heart response today in relation to the Lord in terms of giving, surrendering. So if you, you want to start, you can come forward and you can start just giving now just as we in this kind of atmosphere and in this moment Father, we, we want to give today in response to, to what you're saying to us, to who you've called us to be as a people, to the mandate in relation to Israel.
be a lead boat in bringing a biblical understanding of your, your word to churches, to leaders, whatever that looks like. Other things that you're speaking to us about, Father, we just want to come and surrender afresh to you and to your, your word and your will and your ways. Father, we ask that you just receive this offering like that dream expressed, that this would be in a, like a, a, a sweet aroma to you today, Father. Father, we know this is not about amount. It's not to do with how much is in there. This is all to do with heart, the heart that we're giving. Father, we just present our lives afresh to you. Whatever stories we've read today about David getting victory over the Philistines and and routing that enemy in that situation, whether it's Joshua coming into the promised land and they had a victory over Jericho. Whatever scenario, whatever you're saying to us at this moment for breakthrough and breakout, Father, we just want to surrender afresh to you, offer our lives afresh to you, Jesus. Father, I thank you as well as whatever that financial release looks like, connected with this in in our lives personally, but also as a church. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your provision, your abundance in every way. Father, I thank you for some. They're going to see breakthroughs in their finances as a result of giving today where there's just been struggle and challenge. Father, I thank you for a fresh kind of breakthrough. I think I believe some of you in your businesses, uh, as you've sown, I believe one or two of you have even done something from not just your own personal life, but actually you felt the Lord say from your business you had to put something in. And, and I believe God's, from your business point of view, is going to increase some of your, your customer base or your clients or contracts that you have, whatever scenarios in those who lead businesses. And you're going to see a, a fresh release of new things in your business as you're offering yourself afresh to the Lord, not just because of what you're given, but because of offering yourself afresh. And then it obviously relates in this moment to what we're giving. Father, we praise your name. Father, we just pray that every penny of this will be distributed by firm in the right way, into the right congregations, into the right areas of ministry, into into meeting needs and changing lives in Israel, both Jews and Palestinians and Arabs, whoever they are, Father, in Israel, that all these guys are connected with and are working with, that, Father, you would multiply what you do with this offering, Father, that would transform lives, would reach into lives, would bless people's lives, would honour you, Father, in terms of what you're doing in that nation. Father, we praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your awesome name. Come on, let's just thank the Lord, shall we? Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you might have a situation that needs changing, something that needs breaking, changing, or whatever. Could be a sickness, a cycle of sickness. 
could be a relational challenge. I don't know what it might be. Uh, Friend, family member that needs to come to know the Lord or whatever it might be. We're now going to give a shout over every circumstance, okay? Ear-splitting battle cry kind of shout. Is that all right? And it's on the inside of you already. And, you know, it's what we begin to release now. It's not just about how loud can I shout. It's actually just let that roar rise in you over the next few moments so that it's not just, hey, you know, as loud as you. But actually there's like a whoa on the inside. It's from here saying, yes, this is my victory. This is the breakthrough. This is the release in this situation. This is the thing turning around and becoming what God has promised me it to be. Amen. So you ready? Come on, guys. Let's just raise a shout right now. Come on. Over every situation. So 
that you are Lord. We declare your Lordship over our lives. Father, we take hold of who we are in Christ right now. As people of victory, that's who you are this morning. You are a person of victory. Just turn to somebody else and look them in the eye. Say, hey, this morning, today, in your life, you are a person of victory. Now tell them, don't settle for anything less than God's best. Now tell them, you have what you need. From Him to use that authority to not be battered around by the enemy, but instead we bat Him around and we tell Him where to go. Amen. Come on, unless you've got a great shout as we finish today. Come on, just thank you, praise Him. Prayer's exciting. When we pray in the way that God wants us to, it's exciting. It's not how long you pray, it's what and how you pray. And you know, when the Holy Spirit's leading prayer, sometimes it's not as long as we think it's going to be. Because the Holy Spirit's like, if you hear me, you believe what I say, you speak it, pray it, declare it, you'll see a release. Because it's not about how much we do, it's about what He does. Amen. So I want to encourage you, use your faith at this time. Every day, remember, pray for the people that we're reaching out to. Every day. Take a few moments. Pray those scriptures. You know, when when we don't pray, we don't pray because we don't believe anything's going to happen. Well, it'll never change if you don't. But if you start, even if there's not a lot of faith there at the beginning, when you start, faith starts to rise because you start to pray the word and then you start believing it and then something starts happening on the inside of you and then five minutes turns into 10 or what sometimes or 10 into whatever but it but it's 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 what god does in you amen thank you for listening to this kingdom faith podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you for more information and resources by kingdom faith and for our other audio and video podcasts please visit kingdomfaith.com